My loves, I don't know if you're like me or many of my friends or a lot of the people that I know, but listen, do you have a cabinet in your kitchen that's packed with supplements and all these amazing things? They're all there to support your overall health, to boost your gut, to boost your vitality, but you ended up being like too overwhelmed to even like look at it and create a routine with them that you're like just ended up skipping taking your supplements i've been there too honey and this is why i want to take a moment to share an incredible discovery with you my darling it's called ag1 and let me tell you it's been a game changer for me and how i noticed that it was a big game changer for me was when me and my dad were do we were doing that grief walk from uh, friends through Spain. And I got to tell you, the food was delicious, but it wasn't the best for my gut. But how I kept the gut going, how I kept boosting my vitality throughout the walk was every morning I would put a pack, a packet of the AG1 into a water bottle and I would shake it up and I would drink it. Even my dad, who's always like, here, dad, here, this is good for you. He's like, no, thanks. And granted, you know, the homie's got, you know, he's doing really well um, health-wise. And, but he's always like, nope. But with this, with AG1, he was like, okay, give me some. And he would take it. And it's, there is, it's it's amazing when you take something, uh, you know, with routine and you start to see the results. It's like, okay, fine. I found my thing. Especially because it's just one serving that has the most straightforward way and simplest way for you to get your vitamins and your nutrients and your minerals and your prebiotics and probiotics. And honestly, why take a bunch of different things when you can just get um, all of it in, in one scoop of this delicious magic AG1 powder? into a glass of water or into the beautiful uh, water bottle that you get. This is how I start my days, honey. And honestly, if you're a traveler, they also uh, will send you, you could also get the AG1 travel packs and they're amazing. And and every time I have a friend that comes over to the house, I'm always like, here, take a couple of these and try it out for yourself, you know? And I want to share an amazing, exclusive, delicious offer with you today. If you want to take ownership of your health, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com backslash sa. So that's drinkag1number1.com backslash sa. Um, you got that. And if you don't go to the show notes, it's there. And cheers to your health and your vitality. Hey, my love, listen real quick. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as we love creating it for you. And if you find value in what we're doing and you want to show some appreciation, we have two simple ways for you to contribute. The first one is by buying us a coffee. It's a one-time donation that goes a long way in helping us cover production costs, equipment upgrades, and other podcast-related expenses. Every cup of coffee makes a significant impact in our ability to keep delivering the quality content that you love. The second option is for you to become a monthly supporter by buying us a coffee on a reoccurring basis. By setting up a monthly donation, you become an integral part of our podcast sustainability. And we get to continue to create the content you love with confidence, knowing that we have a reliable source of funding coming in. 
And we love you for that. Listen, head over to the show notes and click the link there or go to buymeacoffee.com backslash spiritually sassy show. Again, that's buymeacoffee.com backslash spiritually sassy show. And I just want to say thank you so much to all of you who have already been buying us a coffee. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your generosity is so wonderful. And we're incredibly grateful for your support. What's up, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show, where we are redefining what it means to be spiritual in the modern world. I'm your host, Sadi Simone, and listen, my loves, if you like this episode and you love this podcast, don't forget to rate and review and subscribe. That is important to us to keep the momentum of our mission growing full power. Now, let's talk about today's guest. Today's guest is someone that I've lived at her house. She's helped me in so many different ways in my life. She's someone who is reliable, who is a friend, who is wild and inspiring. Today's guest is Mia Magic. She's an author, a speaker, an ambassador of ancient wisdom. I like to call her an earth. She's the ambassador of, of earth's religion. She may not like that, but I'm telling you that. Her part of her mission is is reclaiming the truth that witch means wise. You may have seen her actually wearing the witch hat, strolling around your uh, neighborhood or your coffee shop or on social media, obviously. Um, Leading the Academy of Magical Artistry, Mia has empowered thousands to unlock their supernatural potential to find purpose and prosperity. Her advocacy for Mother Earth informs her work and teachings, promoting a more magical and sustainable world. And today we're here to talk about her first book, Intuition. So it's Intuition with Witch. So Intuition. Get into this episode and go get her book. Love you. Enjoy. Mia Magic is on the show today, darlings. Welcome, my love. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, Angel. Good to be here. We are so happy that you're here, and we're so happy that you have a book coming out called Intuition, Learn to Speak the Language of the Universe and Reclaim Your Inner Magic. How exciting is it? Are you excited about this book? I'm pretty excited. It feels pretty good. It's really really amazing. You know, there's never been a book written like it actually, which is super fun. And so I am, I'm really honored that this information came through me and that I get to share some of the ways that just ancient people all over the world utilized to really understand our relationship to one another and to the universe. And it's helped me and supported me so much and to get to bring it out into the world and just carry it forward and and be a vessel for the transmission is such an honor and such a gift. I love this. I love this so much. I mean, can we first, before we dive into the, into every single chapter of this book, can we talk about the subtitle of the book, speaking the language of the universe and reclaiming your inner magic. Give us just a tiny little taste of what that is. So 
before we used words and language, even when you look at the animal kingdom, there is this symbolic expression of meaning and significance in the world. So a mountain rises in majesty. We reach the top and we see a totally different vantage point. We you know, have this view of the world around us. Uh, the way that a bird flies through the air, right? It has this gift that we as human beings have yet to access on our own. And that has so much meaning, right? Being able to zoom out, see the bigger picture, uh, experience that view, right? That sort of higher perspective. And so learning to speak the language of the universe is about understanding that everything that happens has significance. You know, even you and I spoke about this with your mom when she was ill and having the type of cancer in her heart or in her mouth, right? And what that means, how sometimes our heart is related to not being able to give or receive love in a, in a particular way or not being able to say and speak our truth, that everything, even the hardest, worst most agonizing moments, they have significance. And there is a symbolism in the way that the universe is communicating to us and relaying information to us. And we have the opportunity to receive these, these challenges and these blessings with an understanding of what more is being presented to me? What am I being asked to see and feel and experience? And it's, it's, you know, I think that it also helps us reclaim responsibility in our lives and really be able to make conscious choices when we understand that everything that happens to us is communication from the divine and is a, an opportunity for us to dive deeper and, and really look at well, what does it mean and why am I being presented with this? What's happening here and what am I meant to learn? And then when you learn that language and start to speak and communicate with it in return, you can also utilize everything that you've learned, everything that you've experienced to manifest make your dreams and visions come true, you know, get a book deal and have amazing friends in your life and manifest dream homes and amazing careers and whatever it is. And so it's really, it's a really deeply reciprocal practice. It's very synergistic. It's, it's, can I receive what the universe is presenting me with? And then how am I responding? How am I communicating in return? Mm. You're representing earth magic and I'm representing Buddhist magic. And I just yep. have to say that everything you're saying sounds very much like the natural law of cause and effect, also known as karma. It sounds yep. just like karma, which I love that the way you're explaining it in this really beautiful, earthly, practical way. So thank you. Yeah, yeah this is the intuition. The book is an exploration of one of the the like Greek hermetic, the Kybalion laws of the universe. And, and this one is the law of correspondence. So we often have heard of the law of attraction and how we attract those things. And this is the law of correspondence as above, so below, as within, so without. And that's really what intuition is exploring. And so there's tons of books on the law of attraction and there's never been one written on the law of correspondence before. Oh, shit, honey, I just got extra excited about this. And the thing, um, the beautiful thing about you is that you, you not only understand things and you live them, you have this like insatiable curiosity about topics that are important to you that you dive so deep into the very depth of where it's like there's nowhere else to go. This is, the this is where the original was created. Let's, let's speak from that point, which I love. 
Okay, so chapter one, diving deep into your intuition. What is our intuition? So how I relate to intuition and intuition as a distinction is like that because the word witch means wise, wisdom is not just knowledge. Knowledge can be conceptual. You can like gather a piece of information, but if you don't do anything about it, it's not embodied wisdom. So the difference between knowledge and wisdom is how you act on that information. And so when you put witch into intuition and make it intuition, it's not just receiving the guidance. It's not just like getting the little tap or nudge or the little like hey, hello, excuse me, like, I need your attention. It's doing something about it and really receiving, like we were just talking about, really receiving the symbolic significance of what's happening and what you're doing and what action you're taking. And then from that place, really allowing yourself to be guided, but knowing that it, again, it requires action. You cannot just be passive. You have to do something about it. And so it's that, again, it's the distinction between intuition and intuition, really following, really being led, really being guided, and then simultaneously understanding that there is this symbolic language in the universe occurring all the time at every single moment that you have the opportunity to glean even more information from that then you make your choices informed by. And so it's really just about a, a super active and engaged relationship with the universe and with your inner wisdom and guidance system in a way that does not ignore, does not push aside, does not discount, but knows that this is like the voice of the divine and, and the voice of your higher self communicating through you and, and asking you, inviting you forward, asking you to do X, Y, or Z in order to become who you desire to be. Mm. Okay. So I have one feedback about this, not feedback, one curiosity about this, because this is, this has come up a lot. Is it, how can someone who is perhaps not just starting, but perhaps someone deep in their spiritual path and their intuition. How can we differentiate between intuition and neurosis? Like, this is where I want to sort of like go, because I think a lot of times people are like, this is my intuition speaking. It's like, no girl, this is neurotic as fuck. This is your gut that's inflamed. This is like not God speaking to you. This is not oracular. This is not prophetic. This is not a divination. This is not the earth speaking to you. This is your own unprocessed baggage that is just recreating itself in a, in, in the present moment. Like, so how do we, how can we get someone to like differentiate, but not only differentiate, but like, how do we get someone to be able to tune in? Right. Cause there's a, there's a practice of listening to your intuition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's, it one, it's going to be different for everyone because everyone's life experience is different. So if we are actually like a little bit off, you know, then of course, like delusional thinking and, and schizophrenia and like all different types of thoughts and neuroses, like those can take over, they can win out. Right. But as long as you're relatively stable, it's really about determining where that voice comes through for you. So is it more of a body? Like it comes through in my body. I feel this particular sensation. The distinction between my neuroses or my fear and my ego is that that feels really contracted or it feels punitive or it feels critical or it feels unkind. And then I hear this other voice that feels 
gentle and loving and uh, supportive and encouraging, you know, and that's the voice that I really want to be listening to, or that's the sensation in my body that I want to feel. It feels open and expansive and accepting. It's not like rigid and uncomfortable. Um, And then also, you know, you really want to determine based on the information that you have presented to you, right? Like whatever is, is happening before you, if you're really looking at it and you're really, again, receiving that symbolic significance, there's going to be hints. There's going to be clues. There's going to be some piece that is striving to, to guide you and, um, and to be, uh, supportive for you in your life. And so that's really the big question here that we have is, what can we what can we utilize in our lives how can we determine oh well the voice of my ego or my fear or my neuroses is you know very uncomfortable with me getting um you know being seen or making money or you know my wounds are around my sexuality right so you if you know that you have these particular wounds or challenges in these specific places and parts of your psyche and your mind then you're a lot more apt to be aware of the like the wound that would be again like you said this is your inflamed gut speaking this is not your higher self right so there's a there's a certain level of self awareness that's required there and then if you if you maybe don't have that or you haven't been on your spiritual path for as long or or you have been and you're just really wanting to deepen into that connection to the voice of your guidance it is about the frequency so it's about how you feel when you receive it how the voice feels when it speaks to you how the the signs and symbols are are sharing with you like any insight and and guidance and direction and then being able to again like have a a sovereign self-responsible attitude of okay well like even if this thing that's being presented to me is not something that I like or it's not something that feels good or it's not something that I am comfortable with it's like well I have a choice I can utilize my embodied wisdom, which is a collection of all the lessons that I've learned throughout my life and what I've learned to do in the face of challenge or in the face of hardship or in the face of loss and confusion. And I'm going to utilize that embodied wisdom to take the next best step forward. And maybe that doesn't mean taking a step or an action or doing anything. Maybe that means like sitting back and resting and relaxing and holding myself and and giving my emotions some acceptance. And, you know, it's going to be different in every single situation, but it is definitely about self-awareness, about openness, about willingness, and about receptivity, right? Mm. So that you're receptive to whatever the voice is, you're receptive to what's happening in your body, and then you're able to really be present, with that voice and with the guidance and with whatever is, is coming through for you. Mm -hmm. I love this. It's, and I like, I like the, to me, what landed really deeply. It's like, how does it make you feel? Is the voice soft? Is it gentle? Is inspired? Is your nervous system relaxed? You know, like all these qualities of healing, of liberation, of actualization, and, and it's also uh, important to name, too, in this conversation of me naming neurosis, and then we start to sort of, like, pathologize things that aren't, like, the norm, you know, um, which leads perfectly to the, to the second chapter of the book, you know, reclaiming the witch from the wound, 
which I think so much of the the ways that we pathologize schizophrenia, neurosis, psychosis, anything that isn't the norm, anything that isn't the agreeable societal experience of of whatever the fuck people call normalcy these days, uh, we are immediately pathologizing it and claiming it to be bad, therefore needs to be punished, therefore needs to be away and out of sight. And, you know, when it comes to the intuition too, what I'm hearing is sometimes the intuition will be inspired and will have these a, a voice that will, for, some, for another person, they may call you schizophrenic, they may call you psychotic, they may call you neurotic. Um, so, you know, I lead with this harsh reality of like, is it neurosis or is it intuition? Is it, is it um, your gut inflamed or is it the voice of, of, is it the oracular voice? Just to play devil's advocate to see where people go with this information. But the truth of it is, I think, if the voices, if the visions, if the experiences, if the, the guidance you're receiving, um, it relaxes you and inspires you, live. The category is fucking live. And if someone is pathologizing you and, and wanting to whatever, whatever, whatever way they're trying to put you in the box, I think I'll, I'll pass the mic on to Mia now to speak because I think a lot of this um, has to do with the witch wound, has to do with the witch trials, has to do with how witches, these wise saints, sages, these, you know, people who had wisdom from the trees, from the birds, as everything you said, they were communicating in bird language, in tree language, in earth language, in wind language. They were now pathologized as this or that, therefore medicate because I can't deal with it. And so can you speak to history, to the history about this too? Cause I, I, I know you're like a historian, a witch historian too, which is so I cool. Am indeed. I am indeed. Yeah. I, it's really, you know, it's a function of the church wanting to gain control. So a lot of this, there's a lot of theories about the fact that it was actually in order to quell, um, female specifically, but also like queer and non-binary and two-spirited sexual liberation. So if you were having sex for fun, right? Like you were an empowered person and this is like ancient, you know, there was no limitations on our sexuality for thousands and thousands of, for hundreds of thousands of years. Like since the beginning of our species, we were animals, you know? And so a lot of the theories state that not just around these feminine and queer non-binary sexual experiences, but that if these women, like these witches or these healers knew how to use birth control, they could prevent children from being born and they could allow women to continue having sex and having fun and not get pregnant and have babies. And so that's one of the pieces. But really, when you look back at all of our ph pharmacopoeia, all of the healing capacity that we had once did come from plants. And the Rockefellers with their oil magnate energy, they were the ones that in the 1920s just made natural medicine into quackery because he found out that you could make pills out of oil. And that's what most pharmaceuticals are made from is petrochemicals. They're literally made from petroleum and oil-based substances. And as soon as he found out that you could make medicine from oil, he started completely campaigning against natural medicine. And that's that happened very recently, like because there wasn't any other option for even throughout all of the witch trials. So 
really these these gifts, these capacities to, you know, speak an oracular language, communicate with the natural world, those were things that gave you a sovereign individual connection to God. And often those were the the ways that all people were guided in their tribes, in their lives. That's again, like that's the original language of the universe. And you and I talked about this with the, with the, um, the Buddha or the Dalai Lama being chosen by reading the clouds, you know, that like, that was how we received this guidance and this information was from the clouds and from the trees and from the waters. And so Yes, in modern times, because of the history of anyone powerful, anyone sovereign, anyone who didn't need the church, you know, and there were so many witch trials that happened um, because like a sing- or a woman's husband would die and she had a full well and healthy fields and people were like, oh, she's a witch. Let's take all of her resources. You know, let's, let's drag her name through the mud or kill her. And now like her farm belongs to me and her well belongs to me. And I have the water and I have the food and I have the horses and I'm crushing it. And it's all because I just told a lie that she was a witch. Or even when you look back during the plague, we now know that the plague was being spread by rodents. And what do witches have? Like, look at my lap right now. Witches have cats. And a lot of women or people who had cats did not have to deal with rodents because their cats took care of them so they didn't get the plague. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, these women who didn't get the plague, how are they preventing themselves from getting sick? And like the cats are evil too, instead of the fact that the cats were actually the ones that were preventing them from getting the plague. So the black cats became evil and the women became evil. And it's all just these lies and illusions. And even the word propaganda comes from propagare and was a department established by the Catholic Church to propagate the faith. So propaganda comes from the Catholic Church, comes from the lies and stories that they were telling to keep people disempowered and to keep them, you know, coming back to the church and praying in this specific way. And so the witch wound in and of itself, it affects all people because it was, again, it was about your power. It was if you were engaging in ritual, if you were connecting with the earth, if you were gathering the medicine, again, all the medicine came from the plants. It didn't matter what you were doing. If you weren't doing what the church had prescribed to you, you were in trouble. And so people of all genders were killed, but it's explicitly in that like feminine, masculine binary that, that a lot of people kind of discount men being impacted by the witch wound. If your job was to protect and provide for your wife, your daughter, your sister, your mother, your cousins, whoever, and instead of protecting and providing for them, these thugs rolled into your house, stripped your women from you and strung them up on a pyre and burned them alive or drowned them, How do you think you would feel about your purpose on this earth? How do you think you would feel about your capacity to accomplish? You would feel like a failure. And we all know what men who feel like a failure do. They lash out, they act out, they try to unburden themselves of their pain, and they generally just end up inflicting pain on others. And so the witch wound affects all people. It is not just a specifically, you know, female wound. And 
for all of us, you know, I really work through with my clients and students. It's so often like, oh, I feel like these claws in my back, or I feel this hand around my neck, or I feel like it feels like a noose. It feels like I'm being hung. Like I can't speak. I get, I want to say my truth or I want to express how I'm feeling. And I just get this hand around my neck and I, I can't speak my truth or um, I don't want to be in my power online. I don't want to be seen. And it shows up in so many ways. And especially, you know, I know you and I are both familiar with friends of ours who were highly gifted as children, highly, highly gifted, deep spiritual gifts, prophetic dreams, psychic powers. And because they could like tell the future or see, yeah, again, like see something happening before it happened or have a dream and say like, mommy, you know, Aunt Sally's going to die. And then like the next day, Aunt Sally dies, right? Um, Those children were more often than not exactly as you said, medicated, often locked up in mental institutions. One of my most psychic friends that I always call every time I need like psychic guidance, she was locked up in a mental institution and put on antipsychotics by her family because her fucking gifts are so powerful. And that's really what the, the challenge is in our modern day is that the power that has been celebrated and perpetuated and encouraged is not true power. It's force and it's greed and it's anguish and pain and the true powers that is this, that's sourced from the earth and from the universe and that is collaborative and, and cooperative and that knows that you can't take anything from me because I have this opportunity to like access and create and wield my own power. And as long as I'm in my own power, like you can't fuck with me and you can't touch me and you wouldn't want to, because if you're in your power, then we're good. And like, I don't need anything from you. That is not the type of power that has been valued on our planet in the modern era. And so the witch wound, again, like affects all of us. It affects our power. It affects our magic because all of our ancient magical practices were outlawed, were villainized, were demonized. Even you look at something like Hawaii, when Hawaii was hostily taken over, they took hostages. Literally, the queen of Hawaii was taken hostage, this sovereign island nation. That is not a United State. That is a sovereign island nation in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And colonizers went out there again, took the queen and the royal family hostage in Hawaii and outlawed hula and outlawed their languages, just like was done here on, on, you know, mainland United States territory all over the entire country. The island of Manhattan was purchased for less than $24 from the Lenape people because they didn't think that anyone could own land. They were like, oh, cool. Like, Thanks for the gift, you know, like, yes, use the land as we all use the land. And then that land was stolen from them. Like this entire country was like really most of the world was, you know, the, the Roman empire just did so much conquering of Europe and of all the indigenous and pagan tr- tribes and civilizations in Europe just earlier, you know, they were conquering Brit- Britain and the British Isles and the Druid people in Ireland and Scotland and Wales in like the three hundreds. And you look at the modern crest of Britain, the Royal Coat of Arms of Britain, has a unicorn, which is the national animal of Scotland, with a chain around its neck, literally signifying the power of this like Roman church to come in and eradicate all the magic. And that has affected and impacted every one of us, no matter your gender, no matter the color of your skin, no matter where or how you grew up, it is within our genetic 
imprint as a species and it's painful. And I believe that that's a huge reason why the world is in the state that it is today is because we've all been stripped from our gifts and our magic and our innate and inherent connection to the earth and pitted against one another as if we need to be warring competitors rather than brothers and sisters. Hmm. Beautiful. I love when you go on this on this on this plane where this information just like rushes through you. I fucking love that. Thank you. You know, I I find it fascinating the when we look back in history how much in our stories we have been abused and were the abuser. This this weaving of having been hurt and having been the victim and having been the perpetrator like this. And we have to be the ones who claim agency over our patterns, over our lives to stop the cycle of pain. Mia's book, you know, activating your intuition, uh, develop your intuition, living by your intuition is, is, a, is a source for that. It's a, it, it's a, a book that will help you to stop these, perpetuating these cycles of harm that are you know, steeped into our lineages and we are unconsciously living them out. And I think the, the, what Mia was saying, the, our, our inability to speak our truth, to live our truth, to, to, to live our Dharma, to live our, our dreams into the world. It's all has to do with, you know, what's being cooked up and, 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 and cooked up into our lineage. You know, our family tree is so poisonous. So it's our job to, to, to do something different. In chapter three, yeah, I think... The thing about the, the, the inner, I call it the inner witch hunter. We are both. You cannot be a witch without also being the witch hunter. Like, I know that version of myself. The same as like Harry Potter and Voldemort are so connected. You know, it's like you are Harry Potter, you are the wizard, you are the magic, and you have an inner Voldemort. And that's okay. And how do we how do we utilize our magic and our gifts and our power and our witchery and our wisdom in order to not like, you know, say fuck off and get away from me and I hate you to that part, but have compassion and have acceptance and be alchemists and be healers and be able to, yeah, like you said, rewrite the narrative of our our lineage and the part of us that is colonizer and colonized, witch and witch hunter, you know, wizard and Voldemort all at the same time. And that that's a really big part of my mission. And of course, what's what's covered in the book is like, how do we talk to the inner witch hunter and not let it run our lives, but also reclaim our power from it? Mm-hmm. What's a simple practice that someone could do to talk to their inner witch hunter? And I know the book is filled with practices, but is there a simple thing that you can offer us? My loves, let's take a quick break from the episode because I got to share something with you that is delicious, mind-blowing, and and kind of really sweet of a surprise for me. Backstory, which probably all of you know um, by now, I have struggled with acne scars um, for as long as I can remember. And I say struggle as in I've always wanted to not have them, you know? And of course, cystic acne is gone, which is wonderful, but the scars are there and they're deep and they are, um, they're, they're always like, good morning, Sa, how are you, darling? Nice to see you again. And I have spent so much money trying to get rid of these scars. I have, you know, literally gotten, I mean, I, it's pointless to mention, I have done 
pretty much all the things available under the sun to be able to change the, the texture of my skin, to be able to say goodbye to the acne scars. For me, for me, because for you, if you think I don't look cute with my acne scars, uh, it is a reflection of the quality of your mind, uh, okay? Let's just put that into perspective for a second. So anyways, I get sent, I get sent a lot of products all the time. People that want to participate in podcasts, people that want me to talk about their products. And I'm extremely fierce about the brands and the products that I talk about because I have to be a trustworthy source for my community, my students. And so anyways, I have uh, I have found, no, this product found me and I'm so glad it did. It's called One Skin. And the product's necessarily not built for acne scars. It's built for a variety of other different benefits, uh, which I don't need them right now, or I don't think I will need them because I'm fine um, with the way my skin is aging. However, if you're interested in transforming your aging process in a way that is healthier looking or more relaxed looking or whatever it may be for you. The point is, I want to share with you this product founded by four female PhD level longevity scientists with over 15 years of experience studying the biology of aging. The product that I'm holding in my hand right now is called One Skin OS One Face. I wash my face and I put this on and I put sunscreen on and that is all. And in one week, honey, I swear to you, it is wild. The, comp the, the complexity now, the texture of my skin is changing so much. I'm like, this can't be true, you know, because I always dream of a product like this. But hey, now it is here, you know. And unlike most skincare products on the market, one skin works deeper than the surface level. And it's designed to promote healthier skin from the inside out. And check this out. In an independent 12-week clinical study, OS1 Face, which is the product that I'm holding in my hand, the product that I'm talking about, demonstrated uh, efficacy by strengthening the skin's barrier and significantly reducing visible signs of aging. In the study, they were able to have these epic results. Wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. And 95.5% of the people who were in this, in this study and this clinical trial experienced improved firmness. One Skin is for everyone that wants to prevent or reverse the signs of aging with groundbreaking approach. One Skin addresses skin health at the molecular level targeting the root cause of aging so skin behaves, feels, and appears younger. It's time for you to get to experience a new skin health routine. And I'm offering you, as a listener of the podcast, a 15% discount when you use code capital S-A-H, my first name, you should know by now, at oneskin.co. That's 15% off at oneskin.co with code S-A-H. And it's O-N-E-S-K-I-N dot C-O. And the code is capital S-A-H. And enjoy, my darling, because we only have one body, one skin, and only you can choose to make it better. Age 
healthy with one skin. My loves, I don't want to take too much time away from the episode. So just a quick break to give you some delicious information and something that's really exciting me. Listen, we have launched the Somatic Activated Healing Membership and the benefits that the members are sharing with us is so delicious. They're saying it's reduced depression and anxiety, reduced physical pain and sluggishness. I can't even say that word. Increase a sense of resilience, increase joy and inspiration hey we love that improved physical health and energy levels improved mental health and clarity and it's deepened their connection to authenticity and self-expression so all this a dream come true because i've always wanted to be able to have a sacred school meet temple meets dance floor so all of this coming together that's what the somatic activated healing membership is all about it's helping us Take responsibility for what we're carrying and time to say goodbye to the emotional baggage and time to say hello, open heart. Because, you know, the body keeps the score, as we've heard this. The body holds the imprints of our past experiences. And unless you have the tools and the time to process your painful experiences as they happen, it leaves an emotional residue alive in your body, which then turns your body into inflammation, then turns your mind into chaos, therefore closes your heart. Listen, and I've gone through this experience of carrying emotional baggage, a massive heavy load for so much of my life that it was like making my body, I mean, the symptoms were wild, chest pains, cystic acne, gut issues, depression, anxiety, addiction, suicidal radiation, you name it. All of these things were symptoms of unprocessed emotional baggage. So in the Somatic Activated Healing Membership, you have access to a multitude of practices, including the ultimate mind-body spiritual workout, which is what you're seeing me in the doing that that looks like a, a, a sort of a regular dance practice, but there's an entire mathematical process happening behind, which I can't wait for you to experience it for yourself. In the membership, you also have access to um, guided meditations, master classes, spiritual talks, courses, and live Dharma workshops with me once a month. Maybe I forgot to say this, but there is somatic activated healing method practices every single day live with teachers from all over the world, honey. And these are epic teachers who I have certified myself, so I fully trust them to deliver this message, to deliver this method. What we also have in the membership is a community page where you get to engage with other members. And we also have weekly inspirational prompts to get you going. So with the whole thing, this entire, you know, uh, uh, dance floor meets temple meets sacred school, the combination of all this together will give you the support to have a robust and foundational spiritual practice that will, that could literally radically change your life. And you've heard the members, what they're saying, that it's working. So take it from what they're saying, honey. In any case, I love you very much. I hope you keep enjoying the podcast and we're giving you a seven-day free trial to the membership. So get in there. The link is in the show notes. And um, I hope I get to see you on the dance floor. Big love to you. Peace. I really recommend doing eye gazing. Um, I really find that when we gaze into our eye, just in the mirror, just into your left eye, your receptive side, 
you really hear and see and feel the things that are sort of like against. You really, you you know, you can't help but have the stories of, oh, I, I hate you or this pimple or God, my face or I'm so fat or, you know, you really hear the criticism that comes up when you, when you just face yourself in the mirror, especially if you're actually really actively looking into your own eye, you're really being fully present. Excuse me, if you're, especially like I love to do this practice naked because that's really just like fully raw and it's just you and you and there's nothing and nobody else. And so you can really get kind of into the nitty gritty of what is the stuff that comes up when there's no external stimuli. It's just me here with myself. And the longer you stay in that practice, the more your face will sort of begin to meld and change. And you can start to see that witch hunter and like their face will sort of emerge and you can talk to them and you can ask them what they need and how do they need to be healed? And how can I be here to support you? Right? Because everyone, every pain that we have, every harsh, critical, negative voice is just some part of our inner child, you know, that just was hurt or wounded or some piece of our genetic material that needs our support and needs our love and needs our compassion. And when you, you know, you're familiar, you're a Tibetan Buddhist, the the tantric practice of feeding your demons, people are like, what? Oh my God, it's so terrifying. But no, it's about coming with compassion and acceptance to the parts of you that are are in pain and that are maybe like sabotaging your beautiful life that are preventing you from following your intuition or feeling really safe to express yourself with your friends or whatever it is. And when you can acknowledge those demons and be like, hey, and even the word demon itself is an old Greek word for a guiding spirit. You know, we've changed what the word demon means into this like negative bad thing. But in, in old Greek mythology, it was about a spirit that's there to guide you and that's there to support you. And some people I'm sure have, have read um, the golden compass and they call literally your spirit familiar, your demon, because it, because that's the original word name of that, of that, um, term or the original meaning of that term. And so when we have the opportunity to really just face ourselves literally and figuratively and see, okay, what is the thing that comes up? What is the self-hatred that arises? What is, where do I nitpick or feel like I'm not enough or, you know, just criticize myself in any way or try to talk down to myself, condescending, patronizing, um, doubtful, like, oh, you'll never, why would you ever try that? Like, you don't deserve that. You pathetic piece of shit. Like, how dare you even, who do you think you are? All of that is inner witch hunter. All of that is like the same kind of voice of the person who was there stringing people up on the pyre or torturing them. You know, something that would happen was that witches would be, there were these rumors that would go around about witches weren't able to touch iron. And so at a witch trial, they would put an iron chair in the center of this room where everyone is allowed to watch, you know, and they would violently, brutally torture and mutilate and abuse women with many different vaginal torture tools. And then they would pull them into the room, like the courtroom and slam them down on this iron chair. And they would scream because they'd been violently tortured and everyone would think it's because of the iron chair. And they're like, Oh, there we go. Proof. She's a witch, you know? And so it's, it's just the parts of us that abuse ourselves, inflict pain upon ourselves, 
you know, that shut down our inner child that have informed our own self-talk with that voice of the critic, the patriarchy, our own, you know, some of our fathers are really critical. Whoever it is that inflicted that pain upon you, you usually inform your own inner critic from their voice, from that voice. And whoever's voice that is, they received that voice too. And they received that voice. And it goes back, 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 however long in the lineage to one of those people who just was acting out of abject pain. And and so when we can face those parts of ourselves, give them permission to be heard and seen and accepted and loved, you know, it's it's true. That's true alchemy. That's really changing something from one form into the other. And that's why I like to consider myself, you know, the young Professor McGonagall is that's what transfiguration is about, is it changes something from one form into another, and that's alchemy. And so when we can utilize this interpersonal transfiguration and change our pain into power or our tragedy into triumph, that is when we are literally doing real magic. And it, and it's hard, but it also is what makes the space for us to then be able to like manifest other things and make our dreams come true. Mm, mm. Say it, honey. Say it. Uh, chapter three, I feel like we've already talked about this when I asked you about the title of the book. It's everything is information, everything is divination. Is there anything else that we can speak to? Um, otherwise, I'm happy to move into the chapter four. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it, that's just the essence of it, that every situation, every conversation, everything has information for you if you're willing to look for it. And um, and it's really a beautiful it's a beautiful chapter. It like explores even like the archetypes of the numbers, you know, numerology and color magic. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's really a, a chapter exploring how, um, some of those lesser spoken about aspects of, you know, like we hear about spirit animals and you hear about astrology and, and that's all amazing. And, and as you know, like from all of my, um, places in, in my home and you even have lived in my home before, um, you know, there's so much color magic and everything that I do because it's just a, it's like such a deeply subconscious way for us to communicate with our brains and with the universe. Like, Hey, I'm I'm using this color of the great green earth. Like this is for my abundance. This is for my peace. This is for my healing. This is for my regeneration, you know? And so that's, um, that chapter really just explores how all of your, all the situations, even the, the hard things in your life are communicating to you and are offering information for you. And then gives a lot of really easy, um, tips and, and pathways of looking at how, information is being provided to us by our reality through, again, the numbers and the colors. And then um, chapter five is all about our bodies and how even like issues or challenges in our bodies are communicating with us and that every part of our body has significance as well. Mm, Say more about that. Every part of our body has significance as well. Yeah. So, you know, like when we're in utero, our hearts literally sprout our arms. Like our arms sprout out from our hearts. We kind of like, you know, like those little weird squishy things that you push them and then they go, you know? Um, so our, our legs sprout out from our kidneys and your legs are your roots. And, but the root root chakra, the root of the body is literally your anus, your butthole. That is the first thing that forms in utero. That is like the little part of your, um, of your amniotic 
sac, your embryonic sac, the little like part of it that has closed around you, that's what becomes your butthole. How cute is that? You know, <laughs> and that your, that your fingerprints are made from the waves of amniotic fluid in the womb. That's how you get your fingerprints. And so every single part of our bodies has significance and our legs are our roots, like the roots of a tree. They reach down from the trunk of our bodies. There's no accident. We call it the trunk, you know, and, and they reach down and connect us to the earth. Our feet have, you know, when you look at Chinese medicine and there's a reflexology map in the book, I believe. Um, and, and that every single point on our feet is related through energetic meridians to another part of our bodies. And so the fact that our arms sprout out from our hearts, right? We, we lift things, we pick things up with our, with our arms. We, we hold one another, we hug each other. You know, we, I'm holding this little baby kitten with my arms right now. Like it's all about this expression and extension of our love. When you look at breasts, again, Breasts sprout out there on top of our hearts. So they are not only this provision of nourishment to the future and to um, our children, but they are literally emanating out from our hearts, from our love. There's, you know, our teeth, our mouths, our eyes, everything. You can think about the physical function that it has. So of course there's going to be some relationship to the function, right? That your eyes are how you see the world. So if you're having, like I met a a friend of mine recently who went blind in his left eye, which is oddly enough, something that happened to my mom when she was a young child, she had an accident, but um, my mom doesn't see out of her left eye. And she also doesn't have much of an emotional reality at all. She does not feel emotions. She's just sort of a like baseline content type of person. She doesn't see from the feminine lens of an emotional experience in the world. That's just not really who she is. And so the body has this, and you know, you know, trauma and somatic healing and all of the things, the body keeps the score of the energy. And often when we experience either like, oh, if we hit something like you hit an elbow or you get a headache or whatever, there is some deeper spiritual connotation and meaning to it. And so uh, chapter five really explores the body's language and how the body is communicating universal wisdom to us as well. Mm, I love this. And, you know, this year, um, this year, we're in 2024 now, but 2023, which was the year coming right after my mother's death, um, it was the year that I've been so sick. Every single month there was something else going on, something else going on. And even the couple weeks before the, like the, like three weeks before she died, I had conjunctivitis. I had a, a back pain, a lung thing, a liver thing, a, a problem with like peeing was bur- like oh, every single thing you can think of. I was like jacked the fuck up and in Nepal in a fucking monastery, you know? So it was just like the, Really, my body was, you know, communicating to me like, shit's about to pop off, girl. You're about to lose your center. You're about to lose your, you know, the, 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 the ship captain is about to, to leave. And you're about to lose the, the warmth that you have been counting on for your whole life. And even yesterday, I went to see my holistic doctor and she, I was, she was, I see you're eating a lot of salads. And I was like, yeah, she's like, and how's the grief? And I just like, she touched, the, she touched my chest 
and I immediately was like, oh, this, this feels like sadness is coming up. And she's like, yeah, because you're eating uh, foods that are not supposed to be in, in, in winter, first of all, and you're grieving the death of your mother. And because you're de- grieving the death of your mother, you have to do things that will nurture your body as if it was your mother. So eat some soup, honey. And I was like, oh, duh. She's like, yeah, get some soup. And I was like, oh, obviously my mom loved soup. We loved soup together. And anyways, I, it, it just, it's so, you're, you're speaking to something that I think oftentimes we, we overlook how much our bodies are communicating to us. And it t- goes back to the, ver- the very start that you said, self-awareness is key to understanding our intuition. And if we have yeah. self-awareness about our psychological and emotional and spiritual state, obviously we'll have awareness about our somatic state, our bodies. What are they saying? How are we feeling in our bodies? What is coming up? Um, so thank you for naming that. I think I think we we know, but sometimes we forget. And I and I think with the with this, you know, being an overgiver, and like it, it can op- sometimes, oftentimes, come as a like we we overlook our own somatic struggles because we're so driven to make sure that everybody else is okay. And um, so you're speaking medicine to me too. So thank you. Let's talk about the earth temple, earth temple. Talk to us about that. And by the way, I'm giving you guys a taste of of the book and and it's, it's tiny little bits that me is giving you into the book, but you must get the book to get the, the deep dive. You know, this witch has been working on this book for as long as she can remember. This is her life's work. This is like her, her, this has been the magic that Mia has lived with and lived for as, as long as I can remember. And as long as she can remember, you know, she has been running in the woods, talking to the trees, listening to the, to the wind, you know, understanding messages from the clouds, um, speaking about her dreams and not speaking about like, I want to manifest this, but like actually waking up in the morning and like speaking about what she has spent the last eight hours dreaming about. Uh, we don't dream for that long anyways, but you know what I'm saying? Like all these things that tribe tribes around the world did as soon as they woke up, they talk about their dreams. They planned where they're going to move next, where they're going to go to next based on the dreams. And, and Mia has been living this for so her whole life's mission. So the book is, we're giving you just a tiny little taste. So you go and get the book and really dive deep and understand this earth magic and become an earth witch because we need more earth witches. It's necessary in order for the world to enter into harmony, you know? So talk about earth temple. Yeah. So the earth temple is a, it's an extension of seeing your body as a temple of the earth. So your body is an expression, an emanation of the earth element and the earth energy. So your bones are like the stones in the mountains. The way that your blood is the rivers and creeks and streams upon her body through the veins of your own. And so that's a... The breath is something that we exchange these winds within us with the natural world all around us in every single moment. What a magical... To me, proof of magic that we are made of the same elements and then our beating hearts, right? That is the fire inside of us. We call what our neurons do firing because it is literally the electrical energy and impulses inside of us that is allowing our hormones to, you know, travel through our body and all of our blood to be pumped through us. And so 
not only are we made of the elements, but the earth temple is about relating to your body and the body of the earth in a way that is more conscientious. So, you know, I'm a, an anti-Amazon person. I don't order things from Amazon. Our entire beautiful, massive home is furnished secondhand. I buy everything from OfferUp and Facebook Marketplace and um, all the used clothing websites and all the things. That's It's just something that I am profoundly devoted to. Even you're like, hey girl, you need a nicer bag. Like none of this basket, like you got to get rid of this. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to buy a brand new designer bag. Like I would never do that. That's just not something that I'm going to do. So I go down to the real real and like get myself something nice, you know? And, and so it's really about understanding how to manifest abundance in a way that is aligned with the earth, because of course the earth is the true nature of abundance. She is the epitomic expression of abundance, her constant regeneration, even like you see fires, um, like wildfires desecrate entire landscapes. And yet the next spring, You've never seen wildflowers so abundant blossoming. And so it's really about the regenerative, synergistic quality of the earth and being able to utilize that in your own life. And how can you embody the earth by understanding that your body literally is the earth and working with your body in a conscious and and sensually activated and embodied way in order to manifest anything having to do with your earthly reality. So the earth element represents your finances, your home, your career, your relationships, your health, right? Your, your home, everything having to do with your physical material world reality is represented by the earth element. And so anything that you want to do or achieve or accomplish, you can work with the earth to manifest. And so that's what I have done in my life. And, you know, you've known me. I, y'all may not know this, but I actually knew Saw's sister before. And she was one of the people that literally took me in when I had nothing and I had nowhere to go and I was lost and I was broke for so long. And I could not have imagined the life that I'm leading now. I kind of always hoped that I would get there, but it seemed so far-fetched and so delusional to go back to what we were talking about before. It seemed so impossible for me to reach this level and this type of abundance and being, you know, uh, as you said at the beginning, the, yeah, an embodiment of witchcraft and of this, this wisdom and this lineage that I've strived so hard to be in service to. And it's all because of my relationship to nature. It's all because of the earth. It's all because of the trees. It's all because of listening to the way that my body responds to the health or or pain of the earth. You know, I really feel the deep, when I walk past a clear cut, you know, I feel agony because those are the lungs of our planet. It's not like giving her a haircut. It matters. You know, we need those trees and too often, you know, people are like, oh yeah, I'm like making a new redwood deck in my house. I'm like, have you ever met a redwood tree? Like, what are you doing? Do not buy new redwood. You are perpetuating the loss of one of the most important species on our planet. The redwood genome, the human genome has like 3 billion base nucleic acid pairs, which are the building blocks of DNA. The redwood tree has 30 billion 
That is 10 times as many base nucleic acid pairs, as many building blocks of genetic material as human beings. Their capacity for resilience and healing and regeneration, the way that one can fall and a branch can become another tree, like they are the most magical species. And so I have obviously a very deep and passionate relationship with the redwood trees um, because they've been my greatest teachers and they have been uh, the the beings, you know, I haven't had the way that you've had all these gurus and, and amazing spiritual human teachers. I haven't had that in my life. There wasn't really a lot of people um, blazing a trail ahead of me. I'm kind of doing that on my own. And uh, that's not to say there aren't people like Starhawk and Clarissa Pinkola Estes who, you know, and Phyllis Curat. And like, there are some amazing elders in the space. Uh, and I'm really doing it my own way. And so my teachers were trees and rocks and <laughs> rivers. And I've learned so much from those beings and those energies of earth. And so this is an exploration of how to connect with those energies, how you can really bring a deep, again, communicative relationship between yourself and the earth and how to be more sustainable, really easy ways of just being more committed to serving the earth and the planet. And, and for me, again, you know, the, the leaders of the earth, right? the leaders, like those people don't seem like real leaders. They're not like leading anywhere I want to follow, but, um, but they are the powers hopefully that were soon enough and they achieve this abundance or this financial prosperity based on what they can take, based on what they can plunder and pillage. And I think that that's why most of the time we see these like billionaire people and they're really miserable. They're not happy. They might have money, but they don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel satisfied. It's never enough. It's just always this like perpetual drive to fill this aching, empty void. And I have found that the more conscientious I am of the earth, like, you know, I don't pee outside. Or I mean, I don't pee inside. I only pee outside because I don't want to waste the water. And I don't buy new things because there's enough stuff on this planet already for me to have every beautiful piece of anything I could ever possibly want used or secondhand or whatever, down to like my crock pot and my Vitamix and my soda stream, like, you know, my Lomi, my compost machine, everything. And I have found that the type of abundance that comes from being reverent to the earth is so fulfilling and it is so wholeheartedly and all encompassingly nourishing. And so I feel great about having money. I feel great about making money because I know that I am being the kind of steward of my resources that I would admire and that I can look at and say like, wow, that girl is doing her fucking best. You know, she's really trying to walk her walk and be in alignment with what she believes and What's more important than that, right? Like if we're just talking about it and not doing anything about it. And so um, it's all about like voting with your dollar and how to manifest abundance in a way that is really aligned with the earth and by coming into a, a deep connection and awareness that your body and the body of the earth are a reflection. And so trash that you put upon her is trash that you put upon yourself. Trash that you eat into your own body is like trashing her body with the agriculture system, et cetera, et cetera, and, and dives really deep into how we can live as our own embodied temple and what that looks like to worship at the altar of ourselves in order to be in service in the world. Wow. 
This chapter is fucking amazing. Holy shit. Earth temple. Wow, wow, wow. And for someone who is in a struggle bus for financial, for like um, home, you know, the, the sort of like the, the very, their basic needs, they don't know how to meet their basic needs. Having a connection to the earth. Can you just speak? I mean, we're coming up to our time, but just give us like, is there, is there a ritual that someone could do to sort of, and I know you have an entire school and you have obviously this incredibly new book, but just give us a little something. What's something that someone who is in need of their basic needs, because I see you doing rituals all the time. Your house is like a, is rituals happening in every little corner. This bitch is literally booked and busy, honey. She's like, mother nature has me ritualizing every fucking corner of my house. You know, she's, she's menstruating. She goes away. We're, we're having, we're like literally sitting at her house. I'm going to tell you something. We're sitting in her house doing a, um, uh, doing a writing group and she starts to, uh, you know, it's, she's in, it's her moon. She's menstruating. She walks out of the room, comes back with blood on her face. And yep. cause she's not, she, you're not letting anything go that does that, that could be used. You know, you let go of the things that have, that are like necessary, necessary for the letting go process of change and, and becoming and unbecoming and unlearning, but the things that do have a, a uh, power and healing properties, we are often uh, overlooking, you know? And I love how you pee outside. It's true. I've seen you pee outside every single fucking time. And every time I pee inside, I feel a little guilty because I know the witch is going to come for me. <laughs> and every time I flush the toilet in your house, I know the witch is listening, you know? So these are all true things. These are all true Mia magic realities. And would you say that all these things, they add up to the abundance that you have in your life? For sure. 100% without a doubt. Yeah. And it's not about waste, you know, cause there is no waste. Like when you look at, um, the nature of the goddess and her abundance, thousands of fruits fall to the ground. Right. But even that is the origin of the word humility. We think like, oh, humble yourself in the face of God. Like, no, humility comes from the hummus of the forest floor in Latin. Humus is literally the black gold of the soil that comes from everything that we let go of, everything that falls away, everything that drops from the tree, the old leaves, the old fruits, all of that stays beneath the tree and keeps regenerating and eaten by the mycelial networks and all of the bugs and all of that. And that's what then fuels and feeds the tree's future. Um, and so... Yes, absolutely. 100% without a shadow of a doubt, being in alignment with the earth has been a major way that I have connected to abundance. And your first question about what is a simple thing that people can do. Um, one of the most powerful rituals that I do is actually the simplest. And I share about this in the book um, with a much longer, deeper story of the first place where I did this in an activation that fundamentally transformed my life. And again, it's the simplest thing you can do. And that is laying face down either. Like if you can, I've got a very tiny nose, so I can usually like lay face down on the earth and like maybe pad my forehead with like some pine needles or something. And I lay womb to the earth, heart to the earth, third eye to the earth. And you stay there as long as you can. And I think the longest I've ever laid in that position on the earth awake and present and in a meditative state was about five hours. And I know that that's not accessible for everybody, but the longer you stay, 
And the more you are willing to let go of the parts, you know, there's going to be, well, what if somebody comes or like, what if they see me or what if they think I'm crazy or, you know, uh, what if I, whatever. It's the witch hunter. Fuck that shit. Exactly. And, and it's going to come. And even I, you know, I talk about this a lot in the book. Nature is my greatest teacher and healer and lover and friend. And I still hear the witch hunter's voice when I go out there by myself. Like, oh God, what if somebody comes to get me? What if this is the time where I go out into the forest and like I get murdered and chopped up into little bits and no one ever finds me? And I'm like, well, at least I'll be dead in the redwoods, you know? Um, And so, um, but that is such a profound practice because not only do you allow your nervous system to regulate with the planet, but you are also receiving profound electromagnetic energy and negative ions from the earth. And when you are in green spaces, places where the only colors are of a natural environment, where the only sounds are of a natural environment, there is a new type of brain matter created in your brain. Same goes for water. Like when you sit by water next to oceans, rivers, lakes, creeks, streams, and you just sit with water, that's called blue space. This is called green space. They are super high functioning, healthy types of brain matter that are generated by being in natural environments. And you can utilize that brain matter to activate deeper gifts, greater health and healing, greater abundance, right? Deeper peace and and tranquility in your life. And so that is, again, it's the hardest part of the ritual is staying. The hardest part of the practice is not getting up is just being there and seeing like how, and I've, and again, I've done it myself. I'm like, oh my God, like how long has it been? What am I doing? It's like, no. And then you, you melt more. It's a little like yin yoga where you're like, you, you feel like you're relaxed and you're holding the pose and you've been there for a minute. And then you like, whoa. And you sink that much further and you realize actually you were still holding so much. You were still gripping or your butthole's still clenched or your, your shoulder is still tight or whatever it is. And you just let down more and let down more and let down more. And, and that's really been, you know, that's the, like the witch hat is, it's a, it's a womb. It's, it's a, you turn it upside down and it's the shape of the womb. It's literally like the ovaries and and the uterus. And for me being on the earth in that way is it makes me feel a return to the womb. It makes me feel like I am being held by the great mother. I am in the hand of the goddess that I am being reborn every time because the more you resist the story, the more you don't let the thing tell you to get up and go and like go back to your day and do something else you are literally rewriting your capacity for resilience, for perseverance, for devotion, for commitment, for connection, for listening. And, and it has been, yeah, truly one of the most profound practices and experiences. It's psychedelic. Honestly, you reach the point where you are just like lit and high as fuck on just the energy of the earth and, and how it happened for me was she was like, take all your clothes off, lay down and stay until you can hear my song. And it took me almost five hours. And at the end of those five hours, I could hear the vibrational humming frequency 
of our planet. And it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. And it made every minute of those hours and every moment I wanted to get up so worth it. And now it has become a practice that I am in devotion to in order to maintain that connection and keep opening my mind literally and figuratively to the true nature of existence and the divine right here beneath our feet. Oof. Holy shit. You're such a good teacher. <laughs> I like you. I like I you like a lot. You, oh my God. I'm like, as you're talking about this, I am just like, where the fuck am I going to go throw my body on the ground, honey? When and where? Immediately. It's so Girl, true. I tried to tell you not to leave Topanga, honey. I mean. Every single thing you said is so true. I know. I, I usually lay with my back and I could yeah. just stay there watching the clouds and I could just yeah. stay there. And I, I have in my, in our, you know, in our Buddhist lineage, there's so much about just like being with the clouds, the expensiveness of the sky and seeing the clouds passing this, you know, experience as a, as a prophetic, deeply healing practice for, for us but I've never laid face down. I want to do that. I think I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little hole for my nose. Is that okay? Yeah. You can absolutely do that. Yeah. That's a great way to do it so that you can stay down there, you know, is like make a little hole for your, for your nose. For your chin, nose. Yeah. 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 Then your yeah. forehead, like your third eye rests on the top of the little hole so that you can yeah. relax all yeah. the way. Kind of like one of those massage. Massage, exactly, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, to build, to, to dig that up. And okay, so then the last question before we go, is it okay to do this in a man-made park or do we have to go to an ancient forest? I mean, I think that for accessibility's sake, the, the thing about a man-made park is that like grass most of the time is not really like natural. It's, it's probably been stripped. It's probably being sprayed. Like you wouldn't necessarily want to do this on like a grassy knoll in a place where grass is not the, the natural species. Um, but if that's all you've got, you know, I think that one of the things that also that we, we forget about is that within about 20 minutes of every major metropolis on earth, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 45. Right. But, but, just in the vicinity of almost every major city on this planet, there's nature and you just get right outside of it and you're in nature, right? Like that's why I live in Topanga. I'm like 15 minutes outside of LA and I'm in nature and, um, you know, the Angeles National Forest and places like the Muir Woods in the Bay Area. Like there's so many beautiful natural environments. So if you can get outside of the city and, you know, this is an assignment I give to my clients and students all the time. Once a week, like go out there and have priority, a day. Priority, priority, you know? priority. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, I flew, I wasn't even going to fly home for Christmas and I flew home to the Redwoods for two days just so I could have one day of celebrating the holiday with my family and one day in the trees. And that day is always worth it no matter what, you know, and I got naked and did a cold plunge in the little beautiful Prairie Creek stream flowing through the old growth forest. Like an old growth forest, an ancient place, an, an untouched, that's really like, there's so little untouched wilderness left. If you can access it, if you can find it, it is going to have that original essence and frequency and energy of 
nature and of the earth in a way that like a man-made park doesn't, but you will still receive the electromagnetic energy of the earth in a park because it's the earth, right? Because you're off the concrete and you're just like on the dirt and you're going to be able to experience the electromagnetic frequencies coming into you, which like we can't even feel when we wear shoes. So, um, you know, that's another reason why I'm like always hiking barefoot so that I can really receive the the energy of the earth. And, and so all of these practices, you know, and so many more are all in intuition and really they are just designed to help you access what I believe is the true origin of our power. We are sourcing power from the air from our breath, like that's the the element we can live the least amount of time with. The word, like literally spirit comes from breath. Spirit comes from spirare in Latin, which means to breathe or to breathe life into. So the spirit is in the breath in every moment. And then there's the earth beneath our feet and the sun above us and the water around us. And those elements sustain us and you can work with them and wield them to truly manifest and heal anything in your life. And and I have certainly experienced that. And you know, we have so many friends that have made miracles just from believing in their own unique magic and watching it come to fruition. Wow. If this is not a call to go buy this fucking book, bitch, I don't know what is. Intuition is out now. Go get the book support this mission of becoming a ambassador for mother earth, you know, support this mission. This is the ultimate mission. You know, this is the, the greatest mission. I, I find myself, um, me and I have spoken about this off the record, you know, this, the, when we, when we really understand through like an earth magic perspective, what the Buddha did as soon as he became enlightened and the first words that he spoke, the first thing that he did, he put his hands on the floor. He puts his hands on the ground. And then Mara, which is for us is in Buddhism, is equivalent to the devil, equivalent to, to Lucifer, equivalent to evil. She asks him, who's your witness? And he says, the earth is my witness, you know? And so if, if you study uh, religion, Eastern religion, and in this case, actually, if you study the Buddhist path, which for me initially, when I wasn't looking at it through a through an earth magical lens, I felt a little removed from other nature. But through talking to Mia and, th- and talking to other earth witches, they were like, girl, you're missing the plot. It was always there. These are the first things that he did. He's always been a, a, a worshiper of mother nature. What if, what if our Buddha nature is an expression of mother nature? You know, what if they're one of the same? What if they are um, uh, interchangeable? What if it's just using different language to speak about the same basic truth of mother nature? Anyways, the book is out now. Go get the book and don't forget buying a book and uh, leaving a review about the book is vital for the success of a book. So go do that. We love you very much. Mia, thank you for being on the show. What a fucking joy. I love you so much, honey. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had so much fun talking to Mia. And I hope you you enjoyed this episode enough that you will do two things. First, rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. And actually, if you rate and review the podcast or rate, I hope with the five stars, darling. Five stars on Spotify and a review on Apple. Five stars on Apple as well, but with a review because you can write a little, a little blurb. You can send us a screenshot of your uh, rate and review 
from Spotify or Apple, and you can email it to operations at sadisimon.com. And that's operations at S-A-H-D-S-I-M-O-N-E.com for you to get my free guide to help you end imposter syndrome. All right. And second thing, I would love for you to go buy Mia's book and activate your intuition. Love you. Take good care. Okay, I'm calling on all the home bar enthusiasts right now. Are you ready to create a new kind of bar experience? One that's sober and filled with magic? Let's create a bar that goes beyond the ordinary, honey. And let's infuse it with the spirit of adventure, wellness, and connection. And listen, with that in mind, I need to share with you Anima Mundi's Apothecary and their wonderful brand new Elixir collection. When I saw that, I was like, honey, we got to share this with the community immediately. Even if you're not interested in becoming fully sober, you're sober curious, you just want to, you know, kind of try something different that's still going to make you feel good and sassy and delicious and be like, ooh, I like this, then this is for you. One of their elixirs that I adore, it's the Euphoria. It's composed of organic, wild-crafted, and ethically grown botanicals. It's like a, a potion for joy. And trust me when I tell you this, honey, for those of us who are on a sober journey, or if you are on a sober, curious journey, you're going to drink this, honey, and you're going to be like, ooh, girl, what's in this shit? But hey, honey, it's just a bunch of amazing, organically grown botanicals mixed together to give you that, ooh, I like this feeling. You know what I mean? And they have this Elixir Kit Barista Series. It is gorgeous, iconic, legendary. Buy it for your house or also buy it for a friend. That got to be a sweet friend, honey, because that that's going to require your, a little bit of more of an investment. You could also just get each of the elixirs by themselves, right? And it's an invitation for you to become a spiritual mocktail barista in the comfort of your own home. You know, trust me, you're going to love it. Your body is definitely going to love it. Your mind will thank you and your soul will be like, okay, honey, okay, lit. Listen, and I guarantee you that people that try these elixirs are going to be like, oh, what's going on, honey, over here? I mean, you got to find a recipe that works, but this is the base of it. It's delicious, amazing, and it's going to get you lit. Are you ready to unlock the magic of this elixir collection, honey? Head over to animamundiherbals.com. I'm going to try to spell that for you. A-N-I-M-A-M-U-N-D-I herbals.com. Herbals is spelled H-E-R-B-A. LS.com. Or instead of you listening to spell this, you know, trying to pass the spelling bee over here, go to the link in the show notes. And listen, don't forget to use code capital SAH number one and number five, SA15 at checkout for an exclusive 15% off your order. Okay. Bless, bless all this beautiful, sober, spiritual bar experiences that you're about to create. Love you.